Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. It's too much TV. I'm Jim. Uh, and we are, again, giving uh, giving ultimate respect to Sharp Objects by collapsing our coverage down to a single show. It's 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 a massive, massive show of respect for for uh, what's been one of my uh, favorite shows of the year so far. Jim, did the finale satisfy you? Uh, 99% satisfied by the finale, yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Walter White could scarcely do better. He could do a tenth of a point better, <laughs> perhaps. Right. And he's a professional. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, we, we, we got everything that I wanted a resolution for. I will say I have some questions, Mm -hmm. um, that I wish were more concretely answered, but maybe in retrospect, thinking about it, they'll make more sense. Yeah. I kind of like, I kind of liked how I firmly believe that I feel like this is the first time I sat down and watched, um, you know, Inception, like, I walked out of the theater thinking, I think there are all the clues here to understand everything that I just saw in context. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that I need to see the whole thing again. Um, but I, f- I feel like, yeah, they didn't spell it out. They kind of gave you one glimpse, you know, through the lens of uh, Camille and her experiences with Wind Gap of what all caused this to happen and why Emma acted the way she did. Yeah. Um, but there isn't... And and I feel like that mirrors real life tragedies because you know even when like you know gunman shoots up a place or they catch a mass murderer like Charles Manson, the, does anything they say bring make, make anything that they do make sense? And to, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, crazy people are gonna be crazy, right? <laughs> right. So like you know like you know hurt people are going to hurt. Uh, crazy people are going to be crazy. I, I felt like it mirrors real life. It, the frustration mm. of not getting a pat answer, and some things are not going to to make sense in retrospect. Um, and I think they really did enough with uh, talking about Adora and her mom, uh, and you know Adora and Camille's relationship that you could see where that would get passed down another generation. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And maybe not in the exact same way. Right. Like I, I don't think Adora's mom was just like Adora, but. And therefore, I don't think Emma has to be just like her mother, but uh, you kind of get a sense of, okay, well, the damage that has been done to Adora is going to be handed down, and it's going to manifest itself in a weird way, which here is killing and turning floors into teeth, which, can I just say, uh, I think you get one more internet point for that. <laughs> I'm you up get to one more. <laughs> I'm up to nine, but they depreciate it again, so I think I'm down to six. Uh, yeah, that was a ridiculous call. I don't. You must be sneaking excerpts from the book uh now see <laughs> i have i have been accused of that uh this week um i will say that like i have really tried very hard to avoid any kind of book spoiler contamination to the point of avoiding our forum threads and reddit and i've let mm-hmm. uh, my wife cecily compile all the feedback this season so um i mean the thing is is like this is why I think internet points are silly because I predicted that the teeth would be like in the dollhouse would be some kind of pivotal moment in the investigation, like some kind of like real turning point in the case. I predicted that De- Detective Harris and uh, Chief Vickers would be speeding over to the yeah. uh, the Dora compound. Uh, so like, and and what was surreal for me is like at the fifty nine minute mark. The teeth are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, because I, you know, I didn't really give a shit either way. But then it's like, oh, by the way, P.S. Aaron was right uh-huh. <laughs> at the very end there on this one thing, right? You're talking about the the shotgun approach, right? Where you just yeah. make a whole bunch of predictions, yeah, and eventually you're going to hit yes, something one, and it's going to be so obscure. It's like, holy one shit! One aspect of it came, but I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't anticipate it being literal, like like recognizable teeth. I thought they would be worked oh, in the square, yeah. like I. You know, I get like I said on the forum, I'm kind of shocked that 15 year old Amma's craftsmanship, like it's, you know, yeah, no, it's an impressive thing. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I thought that you know, because like I said, that that stuff, and then I, I started thinking about that talking with you and talking to Cecily. It's like you know the weird obsession with the ivory and how it's kind of taboo mm-hmm. and you can't get that anymore. And and Amma's like misplaced kind of rage about like when the the house didn't match up exactly the specifications to the Adora house. Um, and like Camille kind of being weirdly fixated with the, the dollhouse. Um, it's not really clear to me why she went and investigated the dollhouse in this episode, to be honest. Um, 
but yeah, no, it, I, I, yeah, I, I lucked into something. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing you, you know, you were talking about how the show kind of, kind of hints at things, um, and keeps things not, not connecting all the dots all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes it pay off at the end when the, the big Amma reveal comes, uh, cause, cause you can kind of look back and say, okay, there, there are some dots that maybe I didn't recognize as dots, mm-hmm. uh, beforehand, but but they're never and and that's the thing that keeps the investigation fresh too you know it's it's this idea of well these things could mean something or they could mean nothing mm-hmm. right like the the ivory floor it could be thematic or it could just be adora being weird you know and right. precious about her fancy right. floor right uh so i i really liked it i love how they wrapped that up and kept everything kind of nebulous until the end Hey, before we uh, do a deep dive on the episode, I want to talk about what's going on here at Bald Move. Of course, we you know we've got the Better Call Saul podcast that's raging through season four right now. Uh, we're also doing Instant Talk podcast, uh, much like our Instant Take podcasts. Uh, we do 15, 20 minutes of our opinion on episode, and then we uh, host people's live chat on YouTube to let them, uh, our club members, participate in asking questions and making comments. Uh, we're also rolling through season three of Game of Thrones. I think we only got three more episodes left. We just really gunned through that. It's been so yeah. good, too. Uh, if you want to catch up with us on Game of Thrones, you can hit us over there. We're seeing The Little Stranger, uh, a gothic horror film uh, this weekend starring Admiral Hux from the Star Wars trilogy. Uh, we also released a uh, new commission podcast, A Few Good Men, this week, uh, commissioned by our buddy Sean Ray. And don't forget, on Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash baldmove, uh, for this week, uh, anyway, we're watching some classic 80s and early 90s movies. I've selected for this Tuesday The Last Starfighter. Jim selected Lawnmower Man for Thursday. And don't forget, if you if you can't see it live, you can watch it, the live watch, for 14 days. You can watch these movies with us for 14 days on twitch.tv slash baldmove. Or if you're a club member, uh, they're a regular club feature. Finally, if you are an HBO subscriber, which you probably are listening to this podcast, and you're wondering, oh, man, where would I go from here? Might I suggest David Simon's The Deuce, uh, a look at, you know, like he does, corruption at uh, at big city levels, uh, the burgeoning kind of porn, prostitution, drug, uh, disco, rave scene in New York City in the 70s. Uh, it's It's great. I love the period setting i love the acting i love the material we're going to be starting doing that on bald move tv this year feed uh the do starts september 9th so we'll be covering it september 11th uh let's talk about the episode what do you think about like this the scenes where camille comes home after figuring this thing out about her mother uh did you think that those were like she made the appropriate moves there or I thought it's interesting because it reminded me a lot this talk about like you know at the end where Camille's kind of wrapping things up in her piece and she's doing this incredibly personal thing and you know she talked about how the only thing Adora is guilty of is this very feminine type of rage and it reminds me of like you know what like uh, uh, Brienne of Tarth says about Catelyn in season two I think of of Game of Thrones where it's like. Yeah, she's she's trying to pay her a compliment. She's like, you have uh, you have you're courageous. Like maybe not a man's type, but like like a woman's type of courage, and like you fight mm-hmm. a woman's type of fight. I don't. And I, I felt like that this was the attempt of having like a big confrontation, um, but have it not be punches and and guns drawn and dishes smashed. Like mm-hmm. some kind of like weird non-violent Gandhi type of confrontation with the mother, hoping that her sister could find the strength to save them both. Yeah. I, I think, so I agree that could be what they're doing here. I guess I just didn't like it because it didn't quite seem like a feasible plan. Hmm. Like she, she goes in here. Who, who is the healthy one in this room, right? It's Camille at the moment. Who's the one who could immediately now go get some help for her sister. It's Camille. But Camille puts herself out of commission and hopes that Amma will be with it enough to actually get out of the house and even want to get out of the house, which turns out she doesn't. 
Well, uh, I, I mean, feel like there I, are a million ways this could have gone, and she took like a really fucking risky option. No, I, I think this is the equivalent of like Arnold Schwarzenegger putting the gun down. Uh-huh. You know, and like, you, and they come on, don't you want it to come on? You want to give me the blue, don't you, Bennett? Come on. Yeah. Uh, you want to see? I, I feel like, yeah, it was that, like the feminine equivalent of that. Um, and kind of intentionally so, that she would have to take her mom down in that kind of way. And I, also, I felt like mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job at the dinner scene of having like her and Camille. Emma and Camille kind of invisibly communicating like, yeah, I want to do this St. Louis thing. I want to get away from this. Mm-hmm. I want to, leading her to believe that the Emma would be on board. Like as soon as like, like if, 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 if Camille could take a couple of doses away from Emma, yeah. she could get her wits together and do it. And then the, the thing that so I want to know is would Emma have snuck out, put her skates on, rolled into town, got detective Harris had not Alan been, Hey, here's some cake, and this is not the time to inter- interject yourself. Like it did seem like she was going to go through with the plan, but she just could not deal with any. Yeah, I mean, and this is like you know, but but here I, I do think that the, I, I've seen some opposing takes in the finale mm-hmm. that are essentially the thing with Jillian Flynn is that these the you get caught up in the narrative. And then this crazy reveal and you walk out and like your head's on fire and you're like, oh, my God, I can't. But then you start thinking individually how this stuff fits together in a lot and it feels like a little bit like like smoke in your hands. You're trying to collect it up. I, I think I'm OK with that, though. Th- that's kind of that's, the part I like about this show. Yeah. I mean, there's like I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things I don't like about the direction that the show took, but that's it. what it is. It's it's my personal yeah. preference. Like my personal preference would be for Adora just to be an awful mom in the way that these crazy ass narcissists are the, the fact that she has to be a man child's mom is just like, I felt almost gilding the villain Lily. Hmm. Like, and yeah. I kind of wish that this family had nothing to do with the larger, the larger murders. Um, I, I'm, I, but, but I can't say that the show didn't earn the ending it got. And, and I liked what I got. It just wasn't what I was expecting and wasn't necessarily what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can definitely see people like, you know, there's a lot of like, how in the world can these three 15 year old girls commit a murder, multiple murders over less than a year's span and have no one be the wiser. Mm-hmm. And I guess you just have to really buy into and win gap. These women are invisible as far as like they're, they're just all put on these pedestals and yet scorned at the same time. Yeah. So like they do a lot of, of early track laying for that yeah in this series yeah but i also have questions about like you know how was ashley involved why who bit her ear off it doesn't seem like 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 why would uh, it doesn't seem like she was involved in the inner circle but like Emma was still gunning for her boyfriend like there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff i don't understand and there's also Mm -hmm. a lot of like realizing how villainous Anna was or Emma, how, how insane she was that I, mm-hmm. I kind of after the last episode or two was expecting it all to go be Adora's fault. And it was truly shocking at the end when you found out like that, that mid credit sequence of her, like the killing the three girls. Yeah. Just the absolute savagery. Um, what do you think of this? What do you think of this young actor? I forget her name. Uh, the the eighteen, maybe nineteen year old that played her playing Emma. Uh, yeah, I'll look her up while you're. No, I think she's good. She's actually British. I no I found out when I when I uh, watched the post credits. Uh, Australian. Sequence. Australian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. She sounded British. I guess. Okay. Well, Australian. I mean, yeah, they kind of do. Uh, Eliza <laughs> Scanlon. Um, okay. Do I mean I could see her? This this seems like kind of a breakout role. Yeah. But. I don't. I don't know. Especially on a premiere channel like HBO, yeah. Premier Network, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought she was really good uh, at playing both sweet and vulnerable, and also sadistic and crazy. Yeah, and there's a you know it's interesting because I felt continually like this is a secular horror story. Mm-hmm. Like um, there are some aspects like when when uh, I I kind of smiled when they show. Um, Camille walking up to the house and she's having all these conversations about her sister and about like maybe when you die part of you goes to heaven part of you stays here to see what happens to you and mama and then the frame falls off towards the end I'm like are they going to do some kind of 
you know, what lies beneath bullshit where there's like some kind of hint that a ghost saved the day or a ghost revealed something or, but no, they didn't. But that was, uh, I felt like, and maybe I'm crazy because you're looking at me like I'm crazy. I, well, I just didn't know the reference. Uh, oh, um, but, but, but you know, it's like, I, I felt like even to the almost a last frame that there was a threat of paranormal, which hmm. I kind of enjoyed as like that little horror juice. Like, you know, th- Camille's such an unstuck in time character and she's, you know, looking over and seeing her dead sister and then she looks back and it's her young self and you know that this isn't something she's gone through before. This is just how she's visualizing it. That it felt very kind of trippy and like like that 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 thin place, that thin veil between life and death might sure. be pierced. I, I, I and I, I liked how that seemed to be, you know, with the woman in white. Even mm-hmm. that creepy last shot of a, the reveal of Amma being the woman in white. Yeah. I thought it was pretty horrific. Um I don't know. Like I would I would love to see her in like the latest conjuring because I think she's just a fundamentally creepy person. <laughs> uh so did you watch the the interviews after the credits? With like yes, the director yes, and I stuff? Did. Okay. Cause the biggest, the number one, I guess, minor complaint that I would have with this ending is that it is so sudden and it doesn't actually tell you anything about Emma's motivation. It doesn't tell you why she did it at all. And in fact, when when I went and I watched the, the post-credit sequence and they were interviewing the director, he said that she did it because she was jealous of the two girls, Anne and Natalie, who were getting attention from Adora. That had not really entered my mind as part of the equation oh really no because i thought they i thought i thought that them showing uh amma's uh inappropriate reaction to um was it olivia who was her friend that she met and she murders at the at the very end of it um may I thought when they showed May, like the fact that you know May presented this nice blanket to the for to uh, Camille for the dollhouse, and like Emma, you see it thrown away in the trash, and then Emma mm-hmm. saying you're only saying that to suck up to my sister. Like you could see, uh, and then she later murders that. Like I think they're teaching you that like oh the same thing happened when Adora took an interest in these two willful children and. Now, I that, guess, and then that's also why, because I yeah. guess I suspected Adora of being, of having bad motives mentoring these two girls. But I think you're supposed to understand that. I mean, Adora is is crazy, mm-hmm. um, and she's definitely a manchild's mom. But I I kind of think that Marion's death was an accident. Like I don't think she intended. I think that she hmm. she just fucked up the dose. You know, like, uh, and and I think she was genuinely like that's that's the thing that also kind of made sense snapped in a place that like and like her like her like Alan saying like hey you know take it easy you don't want this like like man fucking Alan we got to talk about him in a minute we will <laughs> but I, like like that Adora was trying to connect to these girls who reminded her of her daughter and if she could redeem them then that was somehow kind of redemption for her. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to ascribe any positive motive to Adora whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Um, or, or to say that she didn't kill her daughter on purpose because she clearly is trying to kill Camille in this episode. Well, without no, a doubt, like, well, she brings her bottle after bottle after bottle, knowing what this is doing to her. But that's and what, Alan warns her: get stop doing this. Right, it's too much, and she right. continues to do it, preparing more bottles. But like so. Richard said, there's the idea that she Anna had built up this tolerance to this stuff over doing this for years that she just didn't mm-hmm. account for the fact that Camille would not have the tolerance for this stuff. Because like again, does I, what I and and here's the thing, and we got a little bit of feedback on it. Like I don't these man chows and moms do they actually know that they're doing bad things or do they think that some sort of medicine like i don't know i don't know i don't know it's it's like a cult leader do they really believe that the space you know their god is real or do they know that it's a con like i don't know at what point it becomes academic but i'm not saying that adora is a a, a sympathetic character i'm just saying i'm trying but i I think her symptoms should have told her everything like uh, camille can't move can't get out of bed can't walk right uh she backs off when when Emma gets that way, right? Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't quite push her to the point of being absolutely bedridden. Camille, she keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, and I don't know if it's because she views this as her one chance to, you know, th- this this opportunity may never come again. 
and so she wants to milk it for all it's worth and yeah. simply might get carried away here or if she's intentionally trying to kill her but Honestly, when I look at Adora, I think she's trying to kill Camille. Well, it's so funny because I feel like I'm arguing against that, even though that is exactly what I thought was the motivation last episode. Like, I really think in her perfect world, both of her daughters would die. And then I don't know what she what she she does after that. I also think it's weird that. So do you think that Adora knew that Emma killed those other two girls? Uh, No, I, I think Adora is somehow oblivious to her daughter's actions so she's taking she's taking the fall for those other two to protect Emma because she thinks does she know no, she MJ- played not guilty i i don't believe she's taking the fall i think the evidence has connected it to her circumstantially and that's enough uh to put her away for those murders right because she's already a murderer, you know. It's well, like, I mean, now well, if she I can think, do Munchausen, yeah, uh, on on her daughters. Can right. can she pull the teeth out of a girl's head? Sure. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. That's a pretty easy thing for a jury to leap to. Yeah, no, I think that now that like um, Emma has been un uncovered um i mean that's the thing i guess that's we debated about whether you know how far do you get along like the ama continuum before you're lost you're too gone and like mm-hmm. clearly she is like i don't think Emma's ever getting out of a at least a insane asylum you know do we even know that they solved those murders that that's what she was charged with who uh, uh adora, adora? Yeah, yeah yeah richard said that well he said he they didn't found the pliers. Yeah. They were covered in blood. Uh, we think they, Alan they said they matched, they matched a prince on the girl's teeth and gums. Uh-huh. Maybe Alan's an accomplice, but he said, we're, uh, I'm, uh, we're probably going to charge your mom. Right. So, But definitely, I would think they could charge her with Munchausen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that seems open and shut. And I don't know how long a crime, you, how long you can go away for that. But Yeah. You're definitely going to prison for at least a while. That's murder. Yeah, no, that's that's for, uh, for and, sure and murder. attempted murder. I mean, she she essentially tried to kill Emma and Camille, so there's two counts there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but that's the thing is like there's also there's I don't know because like, it, it seems like from Camille's final kind of summary to the editor or whatever her final piece that like her mom's going to get the book thrown at her and she's yeah. she said something about your my mom has many years like to me it seems like it was written after. She's been found guilty and she's been put away. I don't know on what mm-hmm. counts, but so yeah, that seems like. I mean, that's the thing. This really left like we were talking about, and if we we released a podcast for a few good men, yeah. we talked about how that podcast, like like that on that podcast, how that movie climaxes with the "You can't handle the truth." I, you mm-hmm. know, you're goddamn right. I did it, and I do it again. And then the movie kind of like trips over its dick for the next 10 minutes because it didn't know it's already climaxed and it's just <laughs> embellishing, embellishing. This was like, I felt like it moved halfway through Jack Nicholson say, you're goddamn right. And it's faded to black. Yeah. Like, and then 10, 15 seconds in the credits, I died, did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but not even I died. And then it cuts again. <laughs> right. Right. It, it's like they really and, and I, I think sometimes shows can get away with, you know, really leaving them wanting more. I mean, people in the forums are kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of not saying like I would be in for a season two like this. The previous generation Adora and Lovey or whatever the fuck her name was. Uh, the the witch of the old witch of Wind Gap, uh, like like ah. a set in the seventies, seeing uh. like teenage Adora and her mom, and um, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I could too, but it, there is a charm in like let like leaving the audience breathless and just like, nope, you're hot and bothered, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna touch you no more. And, and there's a charm in not conti- not forcing a continuation of a story that is intended to end, right? Uh, I don't know that I want to necessarily say, hey, Jillian Flynn, now you got to go back since this was yeah. a big success on TV. You got to go back and write season two. Yeah. You know, that's where you get true detective season two. Right. Especially when it gets rushed out. But yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of little questions I have. Like, what exactly did happen at the hunting lodge with Camille? Was how did she mm-hmm. like was what 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 all went down there? And like, why? What led to the cutting? When did it start? When did it stop? Um you know, who killed the teenage lesbian lovers? Was yeah. that, like, something that Adora did in much the same way that Emma did? Like, who, why? Uh-huh. One, one of the evidence I thought her mom was involved is the fact that she painted her the, 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 the girl's fingernails. But I saw online someone speculated that. So, so I guess the book in, includes, like, 
a whole chapter devoted to Camille just telling the reader everything. Like, Amma's, Amma's stated motivations, and, like, they just, like, really do huh. a blow-by-blow blow and, like, just, re- just just resolve the fuck out of everything. Really? Yeah, yeah. So well, that's the, not in the show. And I think I read somewhere that, like, that, that Amma painted the fingernails because she knew those girls would hate it. Hmm. And you're supposed to kind of draw a parallel between that and Marion, like, like um, Camille's rage at Marion being all dolled up for the funeral because that's... Um, I don't, but I, I guess I thought that Marion was the kind of girl that would wear rouge and lipstick if her mom wanted her to, because she just wanted to be a good girl to her detriment. She'll drink sure. as much of that shit as you put in front of her. Right. Um, but there's a lot of those little questions that I, I guess I feel like it feels real. That's how mm-hmm. a real investigation kind of goes. You're not going, especially when you're dealing with like really criminal insanity, you're not going to get good answers for everything. I mean, I guess the biggest question I had at the end was Ashley. What did yeah. Ashley have to do with any of this? Yeah. Because they don't show her. I, I went and I freeze-framed those final scenes. They don't ever show her at the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, she knew about it because mm-hmm. she she saw the blood. She could point the, the detective to it. Uh, she knew that it was going to be Natalie's, that kind of thing. She knew that the murder happened it in happened her pool in house. It happened in that pool house, right. Yeah. So what was her involvement I want to say that, like, her younger, like, so, I think she's an upperclassman. Like, her, mm-hmm. like, she's a senior. Um, John graduated a year before. Yeah. And Am is, like, a freshman. So, like, I think Jodes is maybe her sister. So, okay. Ashley wasn't involved in the murder. And mm-hmm. whether she knew about it or not, I'm, I'm not sure. But she knew that there, maybe... I mean, maybe she held. Maybe she thought John was guilty, and she was cleaning that up to try to. Well, I mean, the fact that you say maybe she thought with a question mark at the end is the. I guess the problem I have with it is. Yeah. I want to know those things, and the show doesn't want me to know them. Yeah, there just seems like massive amounts of like uh, the dra- the the drama school teacher, red herring. Uh, yeah. Bob Nash, red herring. John Keane, red herring. Um, and I guess, like I said, that. That feels cool. That's the same reason I think mm-hmm. a lot of people like George Martin, because you'll go down these garden paths thinking, oh, this is the one true savior. And, oh, no, nope, they just died. Or they just, like, yeah. you know, think, threads get dropped. Um, how do you think how, how do you think things uh, were left with Richard and Camille? This is weird, because Richard... So I don't think they have a relationship. I think Richard is pretty bummed still about, you know, the whole John thing. Yeah. Um, and just... Just Camille's, I don't know, betrayal of of his trust in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is so incredibly complacent when he finds out about Adora's Munchausen by proxy. What do you mean by He's that? He's complacent. He doesn't go and actually like try to investigate that at all beyond figuring out, oh, she, she does this. She probably killed her daughter. And then he just kind of lets it drop. Yeah, well, he goes out there and checks, and this is where Alan, what a piece of shit he is. Because I think he went from plausible deniability to active malice and cover-up when he turns up the music and goes to the door and completely blows a smokescreen for his wife. Especially mm-hmm. in the context of him saying, hey, don't overdo this. Like, I know what you're... I mean, I, I fucking can't get in the headspace of that guy. <laughs> This woman is murdering my children, who Uh I love, whom I love. And I want to be like, well, this is your area. Which which makes me wonder, is he part of it or not? Right. Does he actually know what she's doing or not? Right. Surely he's got to see the signs, right? Man, I don't know. I can't can't give a satisfying answer to that because it seems... I mean, I know there are guys like that, but it's just very hard for me to get into a headspace where I can start to sympathize with them. Like, what the fuck is his damage? Like, uh, I, I can sympathize almost more with Adora because, like, she's just paying down generations of shit rolling downhill. Mm-hmm. What Did Alan grow up with a domineering mother that, you know, gave him bleach enemas whenever mm-hmm. he she caught him with an erection? Or, like, I, fuck, that's, I don't know. Like, if we saw the other side of him, maybe we'd be more sympathetic to him, but he just seems like a giant piece of shit. Right, we don't we don't know anything about Alan. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. Like, to know that's going on and to excuse it because you have this infantile relationship with your wife, 
Uh, uh, yeah. And I'd... it actually kind of surprised me when Camille walks in the door uh-huh. and she's reluctant to sit down at the table and he's like, sit. Yeah, no. I like, like... He tells her to fucking sit and I'm like, right. that's Alan? Yeah. I, I did not see that coming. Yeah, and then, like how it kind of like compelled <laughs> the power of Alan, or Alan compelled yeah. Camille to sit down. Like, it's such a such a weird scene such a weird scene but it is and he's a weird character it's yeah and like the whole family dynamics just makes her skin crawl mm-hmm. like just so many things like when her like you know when she's like i think it's so gross that there are people who have adults or children and they want to keep them as babies mm-hmm. to the to the degree that the adora is ready to believe that camille is going to be like, can I have some more, mom? I like doing like the little girl voice. Yeah. Like, how the fuck does Odora not get that this is a put on? Right. Like, it's really stretches my credi- credulity, but I do believe there are people like this that exist, that they're just so fucking backwards about how the world works that when some the world finally conforms to their weirdo notion of how it should be, it's like, well, finally. You know, it's a bad goddamn time. I got the the respect I was due, and you you you, you treat me like the mother I d- I deserve to be. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably the same reason that people who fall for like Nigerian email scams right fall for them because this is kind of the thing they've always dreamed of. You know, yeah. Oh, I could be rich. Yeah, I could be rich. Yes, please, just tell me how, and I'll do it. Right, right. Uh, Especially if there's a little bit of like man and iron mask intrigue, and right. You know, so some... now, you know, Adora looks at that and said, "This is what I've always wanted. I've wanted Camille to need me, to love me. You know, to to give me the opportunity to do the thing I do, the thing yeah. that I crave." And so she took it blindly. Um, I tell you what, I really liked the interrogation of John. Yes. Like, I felt like this actor was kind of all over the place in terms of... Like, I was sympathetic to the situation, and long ago I decided he hadn't killed those girls. But, mm-hmm. like, I didn't... Like, like this this felt very real. Like, this is now an 18-year-old man who is, is waking up to the cosmic injustice of going to life in prison over something he didn't do, and his sister's murderer yet walks free. Mm-hmm. Like, like the the sheer shock of that like shook him out of his kind of nihilism he's going through last last episode and that thing where he's like you know cry shouting if you want to say it was me you can probably get away with it but you'd be so fucking wrong i thought was like really affecting it was yeah i like that scene a lot um and then you know richard coming out of that uh and having that discussion with chief vickers who wants to push him and push him and he's saying yeah he'll tell you anything you want if you push him hard enough right even if he didn't do it yeah uh so i it's gonna gonna <laughs> gonna lean on a monotox style and then the the arrest like the actual arrest of adora uh-huh. was tragically hilarious right i don't know like her just like crying oh they're gonna i don't want what about my dignity you know yeah. like this that kind of tough. shit when oh, you're being handcuffed really for killing your children. And, yeah, it's it's fucking repulsive. Yeah, and <laughs> disgusting. Way, and what Alan was playing like is this really necessary? Like, yeah. man, it's just I don't know, man. There's a special level of oblivious for someone who can. I mean, that's what it's not even oblivious because they know what's going on, uh-huh. but they're in such denial. It's I, I thought that I like, think it's not as serious as it is. Or yeah, something. like like I mean, Camille was wrong about the exact thing she's saying it about, but like the way these narcissists operate, where like anything that doesn't fit in their worldview that they do, they just ignore. Yeah, like like they have this the, this um, nineteen eighty four style cognitive dissonance that like I am an excellent mother and my children need me and oh also it's an open secret between me and my mate that I killed one of them, mm-hmm. you know like yeah fucked up what the fuck like that's job number one is don't be directly contributing to the death of your children like as a parent yeah yeah like that's kind of the first mission keep like when they're babies keep them from trying to kill themselves when they get old like try to like you know re- catch and gently release them into the wild it, it's 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 an art but she like if you're if you're fucking killing them just for show it's you're do you're definitely doing it wrong mm-hmm. and uh, even chief vickers seemed a little reluctant to arrest Adora. No, like I do. It was fucking weird. I was so surprised at how passive the men were. Yeah. Like Vickers is like sick, huh? And he's he's making those connections, uh-huh. but 
and then and then Richard said, you know, uh, you know, Chief Vickers wasn't want to hear it from me, but then when the, your your editor Curry comes down and raises all kind of hell, like I really, I guess I read that situation wrong. I thought that Chief was starting. I thought him and I thought him and and uh, Detective Harris both would storm the gates, but right, like I thought it was also weird that you know Richard was so easily rebuffed by Alan. By fucking Alan. Oh, yeah, she's out with her friends, but her car's right mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I, I mean, think he, he kept... Yeah, I guess he didn't keep prowling. I kept expecting, like, Camille to crawl her way to that window that he was that Richard was too. standing at with yeah. Adora. Yeah. And he'd look up and see her there. <laughs> yeah, he was going to fall naked, tumble naked out <laughs> right. the window. <laughs> <laughs> into, the gar- into the rose bushes. <laughs> into the rose bush. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I guess... So he went away at that point and tried to rouse Chief Vickers. Yeah, and and Vickers wasn't having it, but coincidentally, yeah. uh, Curry Curry came down there with the wrath of the yeah. of the newspaper, um, which I guess you know he got her in this situation. It's about yeah. it's about time he did something to get her out of it. But so I, there's another question I have. Uh, Richard, after he gets rebuffed by Alan, Alan's playing goalie for his wife's fucking murder ambitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard goes to the town bar and he's just looking around and he's seeing stuff, but that. It didn't lead him to like redouble. Like I thought, it's like, oh, well, he's going right. to see something there. It's going to have him turn on the cherries and berries. But no, it's all curry. Like what? The That's fuck? why I say like he's so complacent. Maybe, maybe what happened is he went from uh, Dora's house to Chief Vickers. Vickers said, "Nah, we're not going to do anything about that." Then he goes to the bar uh-huh. and he's kind of looking around, going, "Ugh, ugh, I guess yeah. I failed here." Yeah. And then Curry shows up. I don't know. Um, but all as far as how they left things, I thought, I thought that was pretty good that richard essentially said hey i'm really sorry mm-hmm. you're clearly in a lot of pain or going through a lot and you know uh camille also saying hey i didn't exactly handle myself uh appropriately either i thought that wasn't a, a great adult way for them to kind of like go their separate ways because like yeah. <laughs> i can't imagine that you know uh kansas city and st louis is ever going to get together and then that's before the ama situation mm-hmm. like what the fuck does Camille do with herself? Like, you can see that she is using the surrogate relationship with Emma as a way to kind of, like, justify her continued existence. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've jettisoned this guilt I feel for not being able to save my sister by by raising the other one. Which, I, by the way, I guess this is direct quotes from the source material, and they're passing it off as, like, you know, this column that she's writing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, when Curry says, like, this is beautiful, kid... I thought I like it's 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 rare. Usually, when I see like in Mad, you know, <laughs> examples of supposedly superior commercials, supposedly yeah. su- superior songs. I mean, do we need to talk about we are all everybody? <laughs> you all everybody. You all everybody. <laughs> like, like usually when you, uh-huh. you see something that's supposed to be good, it's like well, it's a it's a scriptwriter's idea of what's good. If if they mm-hmm. were a star, like unless you're Donald Glover, it's it's, it's very unlikely you're going to write a fucking awesome spec script and a great rap song and you know be a brilliant stand-up and, and but this is actually I, I you know i guess it's because jillian flynn was is a writer and she's mm-hmm. also a reporter she did a fucking great job yeah i was i was curry in that scene i was kind of blown away by the article that yeah know, Camille writes at the end there yeah uh very impressive um but but yeah, I, I just thought that that whole kind of eulogy that felt like the ending, and then you all know, it took for her to write that beautiful story. By the way, yeah. was for her sister to die, her to almost die, and yeah. to find out her mother is a murderer. Right, 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 right. If she could just find that inspiration again, yeah. Which I, I think she found it right. Like at the end of this, if she wants to go write another killer story, she's got. I mean, ammo. she's definitely got a. She's uh, got the ammo. She's she's definitely got yeah the ammo. Uh-huh. Ammo. Uh, she's definitely got a solid act too to mm-hmm. write up because, like, my God, what a fucking like. What point do you start accusing the uh, uh, the writer of making shit up? Yeah, that's a fair question. Like, Jesus Christ! Uh, like, I would read the shit out of this article series. You know, oh, uh, well, she's definitely got an Empire Strikes Back on her hands now. If right. she can write just a killer suicide note, she'll have Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Right. Right. Um, get that published her obituary yeah but i I just thought like you know and the fact that um there's a couple other things um 
when Camille is talking to uh, Amma for like one of the first times, Amma's wearing this floral print dress and she says, I'm just mama's doll that she likes to dress up. And some, they, they, someone pointed out that um, her new friend, May, is wearing that exact dress before Amma kills her. Like hmm. that she has Dressing now she has now fully put put on the 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 Amma uh, or she's put on the Adora persona. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like I said, I thought the fact that they were actually recognizably teeth used in those tiles was like fucking horrific. It was. And how I mean, someone also mentioned that like a couple of episodes ago, you can see her like scrubbing, like polishing the floor and like she was probably trying to grind that stuff smooth mm-hmm. right in front of her face. And it also makes sense now, in retrospect, why she was so protective of the dollhouse. Yeah. You know, why she crawled back into bed when Adora threatened to get rid of it. Right. I mean... That kind of thing. I mean, I think I don't think it's even, like, just the evidence. I think it's, like, that such a totem for her. Exactly, yeah. Of her power and her relationship with her mother. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talked, we talked a couple weeks ago about how people can just get, from an early age, think that they can't do any wrong, and they get so late in life before they find out where the edge between right and wrong is. And I think definitely Am is one of those people that, mm-hmm. you know, Camille finds out that she's murdered three girls, and her react, her first response is, don't tell mama. Yeah. Like, fuck your mom. She's in federal penitentiary. You're, <laughs> you better worry that I go run and tell the judge, you know? Yeah. But I thought that and the just absolute savage, like the way they depicted the murders was just perfect. It was like the the desperation and fear of the girls and just the utter savagery of Emma and her pack of girls. The, we didn't talk about that. I don't think we gave it the, the actual consideration it, it, it merits. Uh, the girls conspiring to murder these two, two, two women. Mm-hmm. Is that believable to you? Uh... Sure, I've seen Heather's. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, it's also kind of like, if you don't believe this, then what do you think of the Slenderman case? Now, those uh, those girls were uh, quickly found out, but that's because they didn't finish the job. The victim survived and was able to get help. That girl died. Are they, the, 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 the town going to suspect the 12 and 13-year-old girls first? Probably not. I mean, like, yeah, I do think that, that, if you if if you want to be a female serial killer uh, and you're 13 to 16, you could probably drop a lot of bodies before people would even start to look your way. If you were even at all careful. Got to cover your tracks, though. Yeah. Yeah. And if especially if your mom is Adora, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, shit. How many real life examples of plot armor do we need to see where like people, important people or rich, powerful people just have a different experience with the justice system and everything. So yeah. yeah, I, I, there's a lot of ambiguity and a lot of things left up to people to kind of judge for themselves. But I thought that was of a piece of the whole work and really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I, I think coming out of this final episode, I felt like the entire series was engrossing um, and really just kept me thrilled the whole time. Yeah. I, I never felt like there was a dull episode, really. Like Everything. Calhoun Day, I guess, was as close as it comes, but oh, not me, man. Even then, yeah. I was I enjoyed that episode. So, yeah, in, in the moment of watching that, there was just so much dread and menace. Like the fact, the fact that nothing happened sometimes, I think, was beside the point because the you felt like something good, mm-hmm. and you know, on the end of the day, like that's 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 tension, and that's you know, that's manipulating that in an audience is is an art. Like I said, this is the this is the best kind of I guess psychological or uh, secular kind of horror story I've ever seen because it does feel like it could happen. Like, sure, you know, it plays on elemental fears of the absolute power that parents have over children and what your parents can do through no fault of your own to like have devastating impacts on (laughs) on your adult life. Um, Yeah, yeah, hit hit pretty 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 close to home for me. Uh, do you have anything more you want to say about this? Nope. Uh, let me ask you this. What are you thinking? Because I remember we, we opened the door to we might do like a, maybe a series wrap up. But I feel mm-hmm. like now that I've seen it, there, there, there's, there, there's not a lot to debate. There's, there's certainly people can have opinions on motivations and exact things. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, on second watches, look at all the foreshadowing with Emma and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know it warrants uh, a follow up. Yeah, I. I don't really think so. Um, All the questions that I have are kind of raised by 
you know, this final episode. And so we talked about a lot of them, mm. like Ashley's connection and stuff like that. How, so, how about this as a suggestion? Yeah. Uh, we, we, we said that we'd watch two more episodes of Castle Rock and, and talk about that. How about next week we do that? And then if there's significant feedback, we can consider that as part of that podcast. Okay. Do like a so, mini wrap up. Yeah. Bald Move TV will have, because I know what, we also got some feedback on Castle Rock. We can consider that. Talk about our thoughts on Castle Rock up through the current episode. And then if there is some sharp objects feedback uh, left uh, to clean up, we can do that. All right, before we get to feedback, uh, do a short, sweet ad placement for Club Bald Move. Uh, this is how we get support. This is how we're able to do shows like uh, The Sharp Objects and The Deuce uh, because we do this full time and we're able to do that because of generous support by our listeners. And it's, again, not all just altruism. You get a lot of features for your money. If you go to club.baldmove.com, you can sample some of these features, see the things we offer like ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, bonus audio and video content. You can sample it. And, hey, you can sign up and try for free 30 days just for signing up at club.baldmove.com. All right. Uh, TV at baldmove.com is how you want to send that feedback in. Uh, Let's get to it. Now, this uh, next few pieces of feedback are stuff that was sent in before the finale episode let's begin with hannah i know there's a lot of feedback and concerns on the forum and podcasts about reporting suspicions of man and by proxy as a former investigator for the state of missouri this is like right right up your alley uh hannah i can tell you this is absolutely something that child protective services should be involved in yes it's very difficult to get action on and prove but what becomes important in these cases is establish a pattern of behavior building a case requires that people report their suspicions so that a history and pattern can be established also doctors medical staff law enforcement teachers and social service providers are all mandated reporters they see these patterns or are made aware of these patterns they are required by law to report them and I would highly encourage anyone concerned about child abuse or safety of the child to report this immediately. Uh, reports can be made anonymously in every state. However, reporters' identity is protected by law, and providing as much information to the investigator is always helpful. Uh, Annie B. chimes in and says, For someone who suspects man-child abuse, get the insurance company uh, uh, involved if possible. Report the abuser for insurance fraud. Through the, Though this would not work for the Preakers, advantage enough to pay out of their own pocket. Often I would imagine health coverage is defrauded in Manchowson activity. If you suspect someone close to you, report possible fraud to the insurance company. And they will investigate. They have a financial incentive to. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and then Dr. Cynthia, who's the same doctor, wrote in about narcissism a few weeks ago. Uh, said the very best thing for you to do is if you suspect of man child by proxy is contact a child's school, reach out to the school social worker first or the school psychologist. Both are what we call mandated reporters, which means they are federally and state mandated reports of suspicion to a child welfare agency. Hmm. They're also more likely to have information about the illnesses, absences or behavior of the child. Uh, you can also report uh, to CPS with the following lines, one 800 for a child uh, you can also go to childhelp.org slash hotline. So those are several different avenues of anonymous ways you can help children. Because uh, I, I didn't have a great answer, and I, I appreciate you you guys stepping forward and, and uh, helping us out there. Well, I disagree with all of that. I think what you should actually do... <laughs> Respect the parents' authority. Go into their house, sit down for a meal, and fake a stomachache. Yeah. And you will find out whether or yeah. not it's much out of Sure, sure, sure. It helps to be the long, estranged, black sheep daughter. <laughs> it does, it does. But I think you could still just... Maybe if it's Thanksgiving time, you could get in there for a meal. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mariko, you raised a question in last week's episode of why women don't commit as many violent crimes as men. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on a subject, but I can offer some insight onto the other side, having, you know, grown up as a girl. Generally speaking, girls are taught to be, uh, through social mores, to be quiet and agreeable, whereas boys are encouraged to express themselves or explore their individuality. I think this is a telling reason for why more men are found to commit violent crimes than women. It's not that the urges aren't there uh, in women for any biological or psychological reason. Uh, but girls are actively coached by social scripts to suppress those urges, while with boys, it's the opposite. Boys are pushed to play oh. sports to make themselves known and apparent. Aggressiveness is cultivated and seen as a positive trait. Girls, on the other hand, are labeled as troublesome and looked down on when they do anything deemed masculine. To put it succinctly, girls are told to suck it up. Boys are told to let it fly. And this is a message we carry internally for our whole lives. Um, I mean, that makes sense to me. I will say that boys are told to suck it up in a completely different and uh, <laughs> in a completely yeah. different way. Like, sure. yeah, we're we're allowed to show all the rage uh, and 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 wounded pride that we feel, but you know, sorrow or empathy or 
uh, nurturing uh, stuff that's kind of, you know, it's it's the opposite side of the coin. Too, any, anything a man does too feminine is, like, you know, very aggressively pleased on our side. So, uh, but yeah, put them both together. It's a really fucked up stew. Uh, any thoughts or should we move on? Nope. Sounds right to me. Uh, Anonymous wrote in and said, I'm one of the people for whom the portrayal of family dysfunction and sharp objects hits close to home, and I wanted to share with your listeners something that's really helped me in my own recovery. Despite its name, the adult children of alcoholics really covers the full spectrum of family dysfunction, whether there's an alcoholic parent or not, and there wasn't in my case. The program and the people I've met there have been invaluable in understanding and healing my childhood trauma, and I'd highly recommend it in addition to professional counseling. I had a... um, I had a, a friend of mine who uh, went through a different cult growing up um, than I did, but they, they did Narcanon, which I think is the f- for families of, of drug addicts. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, she said the same thing, that they actually welcome anyone that's dealing with a family-type issue like this. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's another resource if, if uh, people are hurting out there. Uh, all right, let's do some, let's do some uh, fresh feedback here. Uh, Murder Bear from the forums. Still slightly confused over Ashley. Was she directly involved in the killings? I first thought she gave up John just so she could maybe get her name in the paper. But now I'm wondering if she either helped or knew Amma did it and lied to help her. Who bit her ear? I first uh, thought it was Amma and maybe they got into a fight. But hell, maybe it was one of the girls that were killed. Yeah, uh, a little bit of dry pie there. But as far as who bit her ear, that's a damn fine question. I think Natalie bit her ear. I think she certainly still could have, yeah. Like, Natalie's a biter. Mm-hmm. Um... So you just you got to watch you got you she, she and and uh, she got bit, but I do I don't think that but not for killing her. No, I, I don't think that Ashley and Emma were so or were, were socially were social contemporaries. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I don't think she was directly involved. I, do you think that blood came from her ear? Um, the, the blood couldn't have. It was Natalie's. It, she oh, hit her head on a head. cinder block, or got hit in the head with a cinder block. Yeah, and they showed like something. they showed in those 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 violent flash yeah. flashbacks. They showed like Natalie's face underneath the bed. You can with see. a cinder block right next to her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that hmm. that was where that blood came from. I don't think the bite was the blood. But that implies that Ashley thought that John did it and then helped him cover it up. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, your woman gave you up, dumb fuck. Uh, Brian, on the finale podcast for Sharper Objects, can you please explain the connection between Adora's Manchowson by proxy plot and the revelation that Amma killed the girls? Are they completely independent? Am I to assume the show wants me to believe that a group of pretty popular teenage girls in a small community can commit a double murder that the police cannot solve? Maybe that's the case, but I'm struggling to put it together. They're not completely independent. Um, yeah. It, it, it shows you the fucked up familial relationship that causes this type of behavior. Yeah. Uh, potentially in Amma. But... As far as like directly connected, yeah, they, they're they're not directly connected. There's an article uh, our pal Joanna Ro- Robinson of Vanity Fair interviewed. Um, uh, Scan- What's her name? Scan- I just don't forget Scanlon, mm-hmm. uh, the the woman who played Emma. And there's this quote I think from the book that to a girl who was weaned on poison, harm is a way of showing care. Sure. So yeah. like. And I, I, I also think they made the point that Emma knew what was going on with her mother. Like, this was some kind of fucked up. So her, she knew her mom's poisoning her, and she's carrying that secret for all of them. I, I, I just think that she got right and wrong twisted up in her head mm-hmm. and thought that this was an acceptable... Like, if you are poisoned by your mother simply for being to make you, code, to, to make you dependent on her, then what's, what's not acceptable behavior? Sure. So it's like, you know, kid gets molested. Three years later, he goes through puberty and molests another kid. Were those actions connected? Yeah, I think so. Right. The the only thing that makes them look connected here, I mean, is the fact that they happen in the same proximity to each other. Right. Because if this happened 20 years later and Emma goes off and kills some people because of the things that happened in her childhood we wouldn't say oh those are directly connected and adora yeah. must have had something to do with them yeah we would just say this is the cause uh this is caused by her growing up in this fucked up situation yeah and it's like you're tempted to like start counting up the you know how many fucked up angels are dancing on fucked up match heads here like uh you know adora's mom bit her and pinched her awake 
and for no reason, apparent reason, would drag her out into the middle of the woods and leave her there. Mm-hmm. Is that better or worse than slightly poisoning your daughters? Is that better or worse than murdering two girls and pulling their teeth out? Like, I'm kind of uncomfortable. I, yeah, well, I, I don't I don't feel that impulse to try and label it better or worse or to, to make the tally marks over who's the worst. I'm Yeah. I'm saying like everybody in this family is fucked up because everybody in this family is fucked up. Right. And that's what I'm saying like <laughs> they're related for that reason, yeah. but I think there's a temptation of like, well, where did this murder come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just we're poisoning infants, you know, and <laughs> squirting shit in their GI tubes, but I, I don't know. And, you know, the other thing is, like, you either believe the thesis where Richard says here in this episode that half the town is crazy and evil and we're looking at the wrong half. Yeah. You either believe that or you don't. And I felt like the show did a very fine job of having me believe that there would be these women that were this such malignant force. And yet people would alternately put them on pedestals and then vilify them. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at fucking Chief Vickers is like this roiling ball of toxic shame and you know about like you know like oh that uh, preaker girl's just like her mama she's plays hard to get and she does like he's just this he's just a standard guy like extrapolating all women are bad because he met one that rebuffed him isn't that weird i suppose so like or there's they, good they, girls they like his his wife who are just kind of like you know <sighs> Uh, what 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 is she she just like she's uh what what is she to him you know is he in love with her no that, but she that's the question i have like what she makes him breakfast every morning and uh, and irons his shirts and get in, and says be safe that's something it's more than he gets from what he could get from adora but yeah yeah it's more than he got on the day that they solved the murders but that's like or that's, didn't solve the murders i suppose well and, 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 and you know you got to pay pay like like when when bob nash is talking about like his daughter and how like he liked her because he could have adult conversations with her where he i mean there's just a lot of weird fucked up men's attitudes about women on display so like to me mm-hmm. this is all the piece but yeah um jamie t said i wonder what the cabin in the woods was all about was it a red airing uh, herring or maybe a murder potential murder location it didn't uh, seem to be referenced in the flashbacks no not the cabin directly uh i don't know like that, that's why i say like some dots are there but not all the connections are obvious and i'm kind of okay with that like yeah it some fucked up things happened out in those woods but they didn't directly cause any murders it's not it's not that black and white in this show, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Jill K says, after that amazing episode of Falling, I had the urge to start the series over again. I rewatched the first episode to look for clues and foreshadowing. The things that stood out to me are, from the finale, you can see the image of Marion in front of the green window fan saying, get up. The series opens with the same image of Marion in front of the fan. When Camille arrives in Wind Gap and parks next uh, to grab one of Natalie's missing posters, it's right at the opening of the alley where her body is found the next day. She pauses and looks da- down the alley and the roller skating girls go by. Camille later, unbeknownst to her, interrupts her sister and her friends, goofing around with the memorial flowers and stuffed animals. Am refers to both Anne and Natalie in the past tense. We knew these girls. Natalie was a sister. Um, indicating that she already known that Natalie was dead, not just missing. Yeah, I feel like that's a light indication, I'd say. Yeah, because like I feel like that's that's a big got you when mm-hmm. like I'm telling you this. If my boy was missing for 48 hours, I'd start probably referring to him as being gone because I fucking know right. that every hour past 24, the mm-hmm. the chances dwindle to zero. That doesn't mean I don't love my son and want him back. It's just right. I'm cursed with being a fucking realist. Mm-hmm. And that'd probably be make me this like prime suspect at some point too. But uh, the whole dynamic between Camille and Richard is very stark from the beginning. She really wants nothing to do with him and makes a joke about showing him hers to reveal info he's found out. She makes a joke about hitting on John Keane. That's interesting. Like that's literally what happens. Holy shit! Um, I don't know. Do you? I feel like watching this show would be reward. Rewatching a show would be rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um. But I also feel like I don't need to to figure out what I need to figure out to enjoy the show. No, I I think I got the gist of it, which is all the show presented. And I'm okay with that. Why, why do I need to go back and try and connect all these dots when I understand intuitively that they are connected? 
Uh-huh. I just may not know the exact connections. That's, that doesn't bother me. All right. Uh, I got two more here. Jamie M. wants to talk more about Manchasm by proxy. Uh, you had questions about the feeding tube. One of you remarked how sick Amma must have been to gotten all that uh, poison to need a feeding tube. While this may be true, the greater implication is what the nurse said. The tube is used for the mom to put whatever she wants into the kid's body. In some cases in real life, the feeding tube has been the kiss of death for those children, as the mom is now able to put as much poison as she wants into the child without them tasting it or refusing to eat. Which, fuck me. God. <laughs> Uh, Adora's mourning. Uh, one of you commented about the opposing ideas of Adora poisoning her own kid, but then openly mourning her all these years later. I think that's just part of the Manchowson by proxy. Sharp Objects never shows Adora privately mourning Marion. She's always mourning her in front of others when she thinks she would be likely to gain attention from the sympathy. Uh, perhaps keeping Marion's room unchanged since her death is part of that too. Anyone who she does allow into the house would see that and may ask questions and she would get to tell her story all over again. Using that line of thinking, when Adora ran interference in the Mr. Nash-Camille interview, was her motive not to protect Mr. Nash? Uh, not to protect Camille from doing her job, but to keep this out of the news so their town didn't get statewide attention for something to affect someone other than her in this town? Hmm. Could be. She is an attention hog. That's for sure. Uh, the other thing about Manchowson is that it is a mental illness, so I suppose that means it's not something that is controlled by the perpetrator, but it feels awful to say that. I would place it in the same mental illness category that uh, perhaps pedophilia is in. It may be beyond the, ch- the individual's control to an extent, but not acceptable by any means and absolutely needs to be handled criminally if the person is acting on their impulses. In a lot of these cases, it goes unknown because they will often move around a lot and change doctors. In the days before electronic medical records, it would be much harder to spot the patterns, but to make it even more difficult, some of these moms would misspell their last name or give different birth dates or something to change the traceable information a bit. They move to a new town and tell the doctors uh, they aren't going to think a mom is making a serious diagnosis for their child, a kid that she will know tons of details, uh, including side effects and treatments. New neighbors aren't going to question it either. Um... Yeah, I guess an old. I would like to think that this is harder to do nowadays because, like, wouldn't your doctor want to request your medical records this, like, the first time they see you? Yeah, and it's easy to do that. And you if know, and if, uh, if for whatever reason a parent won't consent to release it, wouldn't that be an immediate red flag? Mm-hmm. Uh, you would hope, but. Uh, finally, A Shaw from the forums. I, in my opinion, the series was way better than the book. I still think things could have been folded a hair faster, but in general, the pacing on the show was much better. Not to mention Amy, Amy Adams, Patricia Clarkson, and Eliza Scanlon are incredible, and the visual style between cinematography and editing was gorgeous. I'm predicting all the miniseries Emmys for this show next year. Um, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think this probably deserves some of them. When I think about the differences I know between the book and the show, mm. like the fact that Calhoun Day was an entire thing that was invented for the show. I felt like that did a lot of heavy lifting for what they did in the book, which is have Camille just explain everything that happens in the final, like pro the, the epilogue. Uh-huh. Um, I vastly prefer that. Now there was one detail that I saw in the books that I liked, which is that, um, the, the girl that Amma befriended and murdered at the very end had a particular shade of like chocolate Brown hair that matched a blanket in Camille's bedroom and Emma was trying to do Camille's bedroom in the dollhouse and the, the impl- that was one of the first implications that she had murdered her is that there was a ha- there she she came up with a blanket that was the exact same shade implying that she like she's going Used her hair to yeah, make it like she's yeah. this close to making human lamp fucking shades you know mm-hmm. uh I, I thought that was a cool detail and maybe they're trying to nod to it with the the fact that she was uh, thrilled with this blanket or rug or whatever but <laughs> But yeah, no, I've, most of the book differences the show seems like they were smooth and more interesting in the show than, than in the books. So I agree with that. Uh, wh- what do you think? I also think that this is going to be a monster at the Emmys. Yeah. It's a miniseries category. It's HBO. It has two very highly regarded female actors that fucking were throwing 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and a completely unknown young talent from Australia. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Amy Adams is probably going to be shoe in to win and then pick your pick your poison. Uh, Patricia Clarkson, uh, Clarkson or uh, Miss Scanlon for mm-hmm. the uh, supporting. So I don't know. I mean, that sometimes works against people, too, when there's that many strong 
per, per performances in a single single thing. Yeah, you think? I, I mean, somebody's got to get cut out. I mean, it's like I, I would I from the first couple episodes, I thought Sophia Lillis would be mentioned too, but like she really that the the teenage Camille. Uh, really oh, fell okay. off and as the series progressed and she definitely had important moments but that was much more of a background yeah and uh like a vital role because that like camille unstuck in time was one of the things that made the show so fucking eerie and well, so visually and it, interesting it, it infers a lot to us about camille like what we know about camille uh and why she is the way she is, it's largely on the shoulders of those scenes. Yeah, I mean, I could see, like, that 30 seconds of her swimming in the lake by the, the cabin where the boys accost her. Like, that could be five pages of inner monologue. Mm-hmm. And yet it just, it, 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 it does exactly what they needed to do. Um, so, yeah, that's all the feedback we have. I thought it's a great series. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about it more, if nothing else, uh, on uh, the Baldies, because I can't imagine that this isn't going to get a lot of attention in our little stupid award show. Um, if you care to give us some feedback that we want to you know, kind of talk the, the through, or there's some contrary opinions or whatever, we'll be back next week talking about uh, Castle Rock. Uh, but you can send feedback to TV at baldmove.com. Uh, And that's where we're going to leave it for now. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.